What's going on, my friend? Martin Silva here in sunny Sydney, reporting to you on another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. And I like to get stuck straight in. I'm no nonsense, as you know. So intermittent fasting is what we're going to talk about today. Now, I have done a couple of episodes on this before, but I'm going to come in on a different angle today. I get asked so many questions on Instagram and from so many people that I just want to answer them today on today's episode. And I utilize intermittent fasting daily. Now, I don't really look at it as, yeah, I fast every day. I just look at it like I eat in a smaller window. And I'll tell you the reasons behind that now and everything else. And I'll also uh, share with you how I utilize fasting as a tool with my clients. Now, ultimately, there's different types of fasting. The most, I would say, popular one is going to be the 16-8 method, right? Which is pretty much what I do. I tend to eat in a 6 generally in a six-hour window, actually. So I kind of do an 18-6 then, if you like, right? So I don't eat for 18 hours, and I do eat within a six-hour window. Just to be clear, when I when I break my fast, which is normally around about midday, I do drink water, of course, and I still drink black coffee, right? So you could say, theoretically, I'm not in a fasted state, but the research shows that actually you do get similar benefits because I have black coffee as well. So there's not like any sugar in it, and there's like five calories in the black coffee, right? But you know, maybe if we're splitting hairs, it might be better if I cut coffee out. But my friends, that is not going to happen. You're not taking coffee away from me. So let's get stuck in, right? Oh, sorry. That was the one the one method. Uh, the other two then, the other two kind of common ones is eat, stop, eat. And that one is where you're, you know, you're fasting for 24 hours, once or twice a week. Um, and then the other one is the 5-2 diet, right? Which is where you consume around about 500 to 600 calories on two non-consecutive days of the week, but eat normally uh, the other five days. And to be honest, most people don't have a place doing that one. Uh, if you know, from my experience, and I'm going to talk more about that as well, why the reality is I am not a big fan for the average person. And for most of you listening to this now, um, I'm not a big fan, to be honest, but some of you may be able to utilize this as a tool. So let's get stuck in, right? So the reasons why I utilize intermittent fasting or intermittent feasting, as I like to call it, is mainly for health reasons, right? So number one, when I'm in a fasted state in the morning, so just to give you a little like shine a light on my day, Monday to Friday, for example, I do jujitsu two days a week and I do weight training three days a week, right? I do that first thing in the morning, 6 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. And then after that, then I'll just drink water and I'll have a cup of uh, black coffee or two in the morning. Then I'll break my fast at around about midday, right? Now I have more energy in that state in the morning and that's when I get most of my best work done. Uh, it's convenient, right? So I only have two meals a day. I have two big meals a day. So it means less cooking, which is great. Um, and then the other thing then is, is the productivity as well. Obviously, I'm sharper when I have the black coffee. I've trained in the morning. Uh, and people think, people always ask me, don't you get hungry after training? And I'm like, nah. I normally, my hunger kicks in generally about four hours after, to be honest, because I find the black coffee blunts my appetite. And I am just, I know what true hunger is. Obviously, I've competed a lot. And this is another thing that fasting taught me is, is really what true hunger is. Now, the reality is, my friend, right, we've got tens, even a lean person like myself, for example, right? I've got tens of thousands of calories of fat stored in my body in case, God forbid, I was to be dumped on a desert island, right, to keep me alive. So, you know, we've, we can survive weeks, probably potentially even months uh, without eating, right? And that's because we have so many fat cells and whatnot stored. Okay. So the reality is a lot of the times we don't need to eat when we think we do. Most of the time it's either a habit it's B it's emotions. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I know some, sometimes we get hungry, but you know what true hunger is once you've got down to 3% body fat and got on stage. And also once you've done, once you've got like, for example, 
you know, I would have panicked before if you said to me, don't eat after training. I would have panicked and thought muscle was going to fall off my body, you know, when I was a, a skinny kid trying to build muscle. But that doesn't, it doesn't work like that, really. You know, ideally, you know, you want to be, it depends on the person. But for me, it's like, you know, three to five hours after training, you know, and, and that's the sweet spot for me, but everyone's different. Um, so yeah, anyway, let's get stuck into the main points. So like I say as well, though, I really enjoy eating big meals. That's another reason why I utilize it because I really enjoy eating massive meals, right? I'm not going to lie. So, you know, we can talk about the research and stuff, my friend, right? Because there's loads of studies on intermittent fasting. I'll just get into that quickly and I'll explain my kind of viewpoints on each one. Now, the one that comes at the top here on the list of studies is weight loss. Now, you know, I've talked about this on another episode, right? On the time-restricted eating episode. But, you know, they say based on uh, studies, intermittent fasting can help you lose weight and belly fat, you know, without having to consciously restrict calories, right? Now, I'm going to counter that and say, if you're looking to lose weight, and of course, the big one is not lose weight, it's to keep it off, because that's where over 90% of people fail, is to keep the weight off, then it's an absolutely terrible approach, my friend, to lose weight, Okay. If you can take one thing away from this, right? Do not use fasting as a way to lose weight. Don't have that as your top priority, okay? Because the reality is it's not going to be sustainable. Uh, and it depends on where you're at as well, right? So it depends on what level you're at. Um, now, if you're at a better level and you've got a fantastic relationship with food and you eat all whole foods, 100% whole foods, and you want to use it as a tool, then that can be done, right? Maybe to get you leaner simply because you're eating in a smaller window, so it can be more challenging to overeat. So for example, when I used to compete, I would eat um, you know, in a smaller window because I know then I can look when I'm restricting my calories leading up to the show, I know I can look forward to my two big meals, right? Um, and that was you know, a way to get me through the prep. You know what I mean? So it's a terrible way to lose weight, if I'm honest, right? Because like I said before, most people struggle to restrict calories. Um, you know, that's that's what most people struggle with to, to basically stay in a calorie deficit. So if you're going to throw fasting in there, guess what you're doing? You're restricting again. Okay, I'm going to fast. And the likelihood of that being sustainable for the rest of your life is slim to none, my friend, right? That being said, though, as I say, you know, if you're at a better level, eating in a smaller window, you know, it's kind of a little bit harder to overeat. But I would then argue the second you go back to eating, like let's say the weekend comes around and you get carried away, you know, it's very easy then to, to eat more than you normally would because you may have been in like a, a deficit in the week or a big deficit in the week. And then you could, for example, have a few alcoholic beverages, lose your inhibitions. And then when you do get the opportunity to eat, you know, you could you could overeat more, I would argue. You know what I mean? So it should never be by any means the first port of call, my friend, for weight loss. In fact, don't even bother looking at it, to be honest, when it comes to weight loss. And I'll talk to you a bit more about um, the best approaches there, right? So yeah, the other obviously benefit is insulin resistance as well, right? Obviously, I'm not going to go too into the ins and outs, but it can make you more insulin resistant, which can be a good, uh, resistant, which can be a good thing. Um, inflammation as well. Obviously, studies do show reductions in markets of in inflammation, which is obviously a key driver of many chronic diseases. Heart health as well. Intermittent fasting may reduce certain types of cholesterol and whatnot and inflammatory markers. Uh, these studies, by the way, some are done in humans, a lot are done in animals as well. Uh, the other one then is cancer. And, you know, you do get this with certain cancer patients, you know, they'll do a longer fast. Uh, for, to my knowledge, you know, uh, I think it's like 24 to 72 hours, uh, which is where you get the autophagy benefits, right? Which is where the uh, immune system kind of wipes out old, uh, like dead immune cells and replace them with new ones and whatnot, right? So, 
obviously starving the body um, when people have certain types of cancer has been proven to be massively beneficial. Then you've got brain health as well, because intermittent fasting has been shown to increase um, the brain hormone BDNF, and it may aid the growth of new nerve cells, according to some research. And also it could protect against Alzheimer's disease as well. And then finally, anti-aging as well. Um, with intermittent fasting as well. This was done in rats as well. Uh, they tend to live 36 to 83% longer apparently, right? But obviously rats and humans, yes, we're very similar with our DNA, but I don't think a lot of these have been done in humans in terms of long-term ones anyway, to my knowledge, but there's quite a few now that have done, right? So they're the kind of main benefits, right? I just wanted to reel them off quickly because there is a hell of a lot of research now to show how beneficial it can be. Um, but let's get into like how you can apply this and how it will benefit you, my friend, right? Like I said, right, the reason why I am not a big fan of intermittent fasting for the average person, I'll be honest with you, in terms of how I utilize this for cl- with clients, it's really clients who are at a really good level, right? Um, it, we've got them to a level where they're eating 100% or at least a minimum of 90% whole foods. They've had fantastic results. They, um, they're consistently having high protein without even thinking about it. So it's automatic. You know what I mean? And they've really put the reps in, to be honest. And then I'll go, okay. Um, you know, especially if we're looking to cut or drop a bit of weight or whatever. Okay. So, you know, if you want to eat in a smaller window, then we can do that and we can, we can try it out and see how you go. See how that fits into your lifestyle. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of my clients are very busy, you know, high performing people. So, you know, if they can eat in a smaller window, a lot of the times it's more convenient for them as well. Um, but then obviously it can get challenging as well to get enough protein into like a few meals, you know, so some clients struggle with that as well. So the reality is right now, you know, with all the clients I have, I can count on one hand, the amount of clients I've got, uh, utilizing intermittent fasting really. So, um, yeah, the key thing is you're eating, it always comes back to the basics, my friend, right? You're eating at least 90 to, I would say 90%, people say 80%, but I would say at least 90 to hundred percent whole foods. In other words, you know, your, your brain's already programmed into eating single ingredient foods primarily, right? As opposed to, you know, processed foods. And when we say ultra processed foods, if you just look at the packet or anything you buy, if it's got a, an ingredient list or it's got more than like two or three ingredients in it, then like it's processed, right? Especially if some of the words you can't pronounce, it's pretty simple, right? So I mentioned what whole foods are before, so I won't go too much into that. Um, but yeah, look, if you did want to utilize fasting, right? First and foremost, I know a lot of you are in America and you've got Thanksgiving coming up this weekend. So, you know, it can be a good tool to use, for example, uh, at, uh, uh Thanksgiving, right? So on Thursday, for example, the likelihood is most people are going to eat a lot of calories. And then the next morning, you know, like either you could either A, get a good strength session in because you can then partition those extra calories you've had to build a muscle and you'll probably feel strong. Um, and then, you know, either or just like fast in the morning after that, you know, if you can like break your fast later in the day, you know, maybe add an extra two hours, like instead of eating whenever you, let's say you eat 8am, maybe add two hours on top of that and eat at 10am or midday. So it's a good tool to use once you've eaten a lot of food basically, right? Cause it, it, again, it comes down to health though, as well. It's just allowing your body to basically digest and break down everything you've eaten. It gives your body a break, right? Let your body like clean itself out by itself rather than you, you know, pumping, pumping it full of food or just, you know, eating again. And the body has to go into more stress then to kind of break everything down. You know what I mean? So as I said before, you know, I would not recommend this to most people fasting, right? I really wouldn't. Um, I would say, I say my approach always with clients is to, I always add in stuff they're missing out on, to be honest. So that's my approach with clients. It's like, right. I might have someone come to me, for example, who's been struggling to lose weight for decades. Right. And they come to me and say, right, Mart, I want to lose 30 pounds. And then what I'll start doing is, to their surprise, I'll start adding in foods. So instead of restricting, 
which is something they've struggled with for their whole life, right? So basically the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You know, this is what blows my mind with a, a lot of coaches, you know, they take someone on who struggled to be in a calorie deficit for X amount of years. And then first thing they do is put them in a deficit. Don't get me wrong. That can, that can be valuable if you're doing that like for the first kind of month or whatever, three weeks. Um, but when you're putting them in a continual, a continual restrictive calorie deficit, obviously that's not going to be sustainable, right? So you need to add in the foods you're missing out on, right? So, you know, with my clients, it's like, right, you know, what foods could we add in? Uh, how can we get more protein in? Right, let's add in more X, Y, and Z, right? How can we get more f- essential fatty acids in? Okay, let's add in some avocados, some ghee, like, you know, some good types of animal meats, such as beef, right? Like, you know, obviously I could go down the list, but the reality is that should be your approach to health and to get in sustainable results, whether you're looking to just be healthy, to lose a little bit of weight, get to the next level and get shredded, or, you know, lose a significant amount of weight. You know, my approach is always to look at what the client's missing out on. And as we start adding in more protein, we start adding in more whole foods. Guess what happens? Naturally, over time, depending on the person in terms of how long, they start replacing the shitty foods, right, with better food. And naturally, they're more satiated. They have a more protein, which blunts their appetite and so on and so forth, right? So just to summarize, right, with intermittent fasting, I utilize it every single day. I have two big meals. I eat in a six-hour window. It works for me. I feel fantastic. But I would not be doing this if I wasn't where I'm at now in terms of how I eat and how I live, right? It's convenient for me. I feel great. And I've attached um, the benefits of fasting to me performing better and feeling better, right? I don't even look at fasting in, for anything aesthetics wise, right? Not at all, right? Not at all. So there is some studies to show that there is a, the metabolism is so complex on my friend, like next to the human brain, human metabolism is the second most complex thing on the planet. So there's some research to show that fasting can have an impact uh, on metabolism, but none of it is really accurate enough yet. But it, it kind of does make sense though, um, to be honest. It kind of does make sense from an evolutionary standpoint, uh, the benefits, all these benefits we talked about for it to have these benefits, right? Because let's be honest, as hunter-gatherers, we would have to go days, probably sometimes weeks without food. And then what would happen when we get food? We would eat the shit out of it, right? <laughs> and then we potentially would have to go without food again. So obviously the body over years, thousands of years, has obviously learned to adapt because the body is an adaptation machine, right? So I would say to summarize, don't use fasting uh, in any way, shape or form. Uh, for anything really physique related, unless you're at a really high level and you think, right, I'll eat in a smaller window uh, and see how that goes for me, see if it's more convenient, see if I feel better in a fasted state and see if, you know, I eat less calories because I'm eating a smaller window. Otherwise, my friend, you know, most people listening to this, um, yes, you can use it as a tool later down the line, but as you know, Martin Silva is not going to be bringing you that magic pill, my friend. You know, I'm not here for the bullshit, right? So it's always going to come down to the big rocks, having enough water, eating predominantly whole foods. And I'll say this once again, I keep I keep citing this study because it was a great study. Ultra processed foods make us eat 500 calories more a day on average, right? And that was a cross study. So they crossed over the people, right? They give um, unlimited amounts of whole foods and unlimited amounts of ultra processed foods. And the ultra processed foods group ate, I think it was 508 calories to be precise on average more, more every day. That's three and a half thousand calories extra a week, which works out, I think, don't quote me on this, give or take around about a pound of fat that you would gain a week, right? So 
Avoid those ultra-processed foods that are engineered to make us eat the shit out of them. Avoid them as much as you can. It is a process. You're not going to be able to cut them out overnight, which is why the approach, and that's why the value in having a good coach, just to show, say, right, add these foods into your diet, right? Rather than constantly trying to do what you've always done and restrict all those foods out. Let's add these foods in. And naturally, you start replacing those ultra-processed foods with more whole foods, okay? So... Boom. And then, so there's water, there's food, there's sleep, then there's training stimulus, right? Strength training. Okay. That needs to be the cornerstone of what you're doing, my friend. If you're looking to live longer, increase your bone density, increase your heart health. But above all, let's skip all that bullshit. Look incredible, right? Strength training is going to be the one. And then there's movement. And then finally, there's environment, right? And I wanted to talk on this quickly, right? For example, um, there's research, a massive study done on millions of people to show that, for example, if you have an obese friend, um, then you have a 50, I believe it was a 52% chance of being obese yourself. If you have a friend of a friend of a, who's obese, you have a 20% higher chance of being obese yourself. If you have a friend of a friend of a friend, oh, this is getting too much now, but you get where I'm going, uh, you'll have a, a 10% higher chance of becoming obese yourself. So it just goes to show, right, who you spend your time with and your environment is going to make a massive difference. But also we can talk about your immediate environment in terms of being aware of trigger foods, right, my friends? For example, writing down a list of the foods that make you overeat. I used to have trigger foods. I used to have Ben and Jerry's was my best friend and my worst nightmare at the same time, right? It was my best friend for that 10 minutes whilst I was polishing the tub off. And then it was my worst enemy, right? Because it would make me just continuously overeat. I wanted to eat more. I'd have a whole tub, 1,200 calories, by the way, because the peanut butter cup one was my favorite. I think it was 12 or 1,400 calories in the tub. And I used to have a whole Domino's back in, you know, obviously when I used to struggle with the emotional eating, um, I would eat like a whole, I'm not proud of this, by the way, I'm not glorifying it, but it is quite funny. I would have a whole large Domino's pizza, which is about 3,000 calories on its own to myself a tub of Ben and Jerry's uh, peanut butter cup, which is like, I'm sure that was like 1200 calories. And then I would, I would mix the peanut butter cup Ben and Jerry's with uh, Domino's cookies as well. Four of them. Right. So you're looking at like a 5,000 calorie hit on the head. Right. Um, because you know, they, they, they would, they were trigger foods. I couldn't have a few spoonfuls of Ben and Jerry's. I would have to polish off the whole tub. So make a list of the foods that make you overeat. My friend, if there's one thing you want to do after this, Right. I know this is about intermittent fasting, but why not drop you drop you some knowledge bombs um, and, and just be aware of those foods? And then the second step is to place the barrier in the way, empty the snack drawer, get those foods out of the house, and keep them out of the house. Right. A little tip, inside tip that I give the clients is depending on the client, but you know, I'll say, right, okay, so let's empty the snack drawer. Okay. And I'm not saying you never, you're not allowed to eat those foods. Cause like I said, restriction doesn't work. It doesn't work long-term. I say, right. Okay. If you want to get that food, you can get in your car after you've had your dinner in the night and drive to the shop and get, you know, one bar of chocolate or whatever. Right. Or if you want a cookie, then get a box of cookies, obviously get one, you know what I'm saying? Like be, you know, be sensible with it, but you've got the permission to do that. And then most of the time, once that barrier is put in the way, you're probably not going to do that. And you've got a way lower chance of overeating if they're not in the house, right? Simple, highly affected. Only keep those quote unquote healthy foods uh, in sight. Keep the fruit in sight. You know what I mean? Keep the healthy foods in sight. Keep the other foods, the trigger foods uh, out of sight or the ultra processed foods. Keep them out of the house, my friend, right? Real, real simple. So they're the six things really you want to focus on, right? Just like Kirk said in the last podcast, water, food, sleep, strength training, movement, environment, fasting is going to be, if I, if I could keep going down that list now in terms of important things, fasting would be, I don't know, 
number 30 to 40 to 50 on that list, right? It's not that important, my friend, right? And I wanted to jump on and talk about this because I'm sure you have friends who talk about it and like, it's, you know, it's almost like a, a buzzword, right? Oh yeah, I fast, I do this, I do that. Um, but the reality is that's not a sustainable approach, not a long-term approach for most people. However, it's been life-changing for me, right? Uh, when I got to the level where I could utilize it as a tool, the reason it's been life-changing is because I get more shit done. I feel sharper. Yeah. And I enjoy big meals, right? I love having big meals. Like after this, I'm going to have my dinner and it's going to be a big old meal. And I really look forward to it, my friend. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, make sure as always, you know, obviously I would, I would make a list of the foods that make you overeat and keep them out of the house. Um, make sure you, you know, you, you basically take something away from this podcast, make a note, put it in your notes. What stood out to me on that podcast? What's one thing I can implement? One or two things that I, that's really stood out to me uh, that I can take away from that podcast. It might not even be on fasting. It might be on some of the other nuggets that I dropped, um, you know, relating to that. So uh, what I was going to say is, ladies and gents, um, you're all, most of 50% of you are in America. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving. And, you know, you you could utilize some of the things I talked about going into Thanksgiving. I wanted, what I wanted to say as well, um, and even if you're not in America, you can you can take this on board. Um, basically, with these events, like we have Christmas coming and Thanksgiving, um, with Thanksgiving as an example, or Christmas, use this as an opportunity to really be present with the people that you care for, right? The best thing you can do is be super mindful. And when you're having your meal, right? Put the family before the food, because a lot of the times we look forward to this, rightly so, and we just put the food before the family. Let's be honest. I've done it many a times, right? We're like, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into my these cakes and all this kind of stuff. But just literally, when you're eating your meal, you're sat around the table, eating your food, put your hands on, try this, put your hands on the table, right? And just basically engage in good conversation. Put that knife and fork down and be present and engage in some good conversation. And then a good tool is just doing more movement. Go for a walk, do more walking. You could go for a walk with your family or friends, partner, whatever. It's a great way to bond. You know, it'll aid the digestion and it'll allow you get to get away with more calories, obviously, when you're moving more, right? So just simple things, my friend. And as I say, you know, maybe the next morning you could try going a couple of hours without food. But bear in mind, when you eat a lot of food the night before, you're actually, especially when it's like processed foods, the next morning, your brain actually tricks you into thinking you're being hungry because you, you're kind of hormones all over the place. You, you, you know, your, your hunger hormones, your bloody satiety hormone, like leptin, they're all over the place. And then you feel more hungry the next morning. Initially, I urge you, if you've eaten loads, push through that hunger, right? Because hunger, make friends with it every now and then, my friends. Make friends with hunger, okay? Because you're not going to starve to death. You've got tens of thousands of calories stored in your body. Don't panic. Make friends with it every now and then. Uh, go for a walk, drink plenty of water, get a good strength training session in, put some of those calories to good use and bloody enjoy yourself. Over and out, my friends. Take it easy.